Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laura. We're glad you're with us this afternoon, wherever you may be tuned in. Uh, always fun to talk Southern Miss sports on the Super Talk Radio Network. It's Wednesday, and that means we go down to the Gulf Coast to uh, visit with our buddy Patrick McGee, sports editor of the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Uh, Patrick, lots to talk to you about. Appreciate the extra duty you did with us on uh, on uh, Memorial Day. Uh, I'm going to get away from baseball for just a couple of minutes and talk to you about football. Uh, uh, Jack Duggan put out a release yesterday from the Sports Information Office outlining the uh, the, the television and streaming avails for uh, upcoming football games. And, and Luke has them. I think he can go over them in detail here momentarily. But... Uh, We've just reached an era in time. It's not new this year, but over the past few years, era, uh, an era. And, Patrick, we've just reached an era in time where just virtually every game is available to you on TV or streaming. That's going to be the case with baseball this weekend. Overall, do you think that's had a negative impact on football attendance in, in uh, college athletics? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's been a trend that's been developing for a while now. Everything's pretty much available on on uh, every game. I mean, honestly, I can't. I can't really pinpoint the last Southern Miss game that really wasn't available uh, for some type of streaming or, or you know, maybe a. Or, you know, I, I guess ESPN Plus is technically a pay per view thing, uh, right. but, but I mean, pay per view really isn't a thing anymore. Uh, it's all through the ESPN uh, networks, and you have CBS Sports Network that's still involved as is Stadium. They have the, the UAB game. Uh, which, of course, if I remember right, all the stadium games were broadcast uh, regionally on Fox Sports Network. So <clears throat> it's uh, it, it's it's just been something that's developing while attendance in college football is, has trended downward. And, of course, this last year was a really unusual college football season. So uh, in terms of, you know, w- where the trend goes from here on out, it kind of remains to be seen. I mean, there's a chance that just the impact of the pandemic and everything else, we could see even a further dip in attendance moving forward. We'll, we'll just have to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, streaming's it's so it's right there. It's, you can watch it wherever you're at. There's no blackout, no none of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every game's available. You can watch it as you're sitting. Uh, you can watch highlights as you're sitting in the uh, stands there at Roberts Stadium. Luke, run down that list for us, if you will. And tell us, Luke, if, if you think, uh, obviously last year was, was weird, but the year before attendance at Southern Miss football was an issue as well, and, uh, go down the list and then tell us what you expect to see this year in attendance. All right, guys. South Alabama, the opening game, ESPN Plus, Grambling, ESPN Three, Troy, ESPN Plus, and after that, basically uh, the rest of the games apart from UAB and Alabama 
and, and Louisiana Tech. I'll talk about Tech in just a second. All the rest of the games are ESPN networks, which is, you got to think, probably, unless the Eagles were to be undefeated and need, you know, they want to show them nationally, they would uh, probably be ESPN Plus or ESPN 3. The Alabama game, a TBA game, uh, that could possibly be an ESPN 2 or SEC network game. And then the one kind of, uh, as, as Patrick mentioned, UAB on stadium, Louisiana Tech will be, because it was moved to Friday, on CBS Sports Network. So really, apart from UAB and Louisiana Tech, everything else should fall within the ESPN family. I, I think, uh, you know, as far as two years ago, Southern Miss uh, wasn't living up to expectations. We saw that even even last year. And uh, it's just but it's a national trend. I mean, even when you've got SEC schools that are having a hard time filling up stadiums, you got to be undefeated or really, really good playing a, a premier opponent and possibly in a huge rivalry game to be able to pack out a stadium anymore, and sometimes that doesn't even happen. Not good for schools like Southern Miss, though, right, Patrick? No, I mean, uh, you've got to find alternate you know, uh, revenue if you're not filling up your stadium, and you do get some money through these TV contracts, but obviously they're not making up the difference uh, like they used to. So financially, it's it's <clears throat> it's it's becoming a little bit more difficult, especially for schools like Southern Miss and and Tulane and everybody else, but yeah, it's it's it, it, you hope that overexposure in terms of TV and everything doesn't hurt the overall product. I'm I'm somebody that doesn't enjoy the uh, overexposure in a way. Uh, you know, every game's on TV. It kind of you know it's it's just all there. You can kind of digest it how you want. But I don't know. It, it's it is what it is. This is where things are headed. Every game's readily available right there on your smartphone. Does the new coaching staff offset that some this fall, you think, Patrick? People in the stands out of curiosity to, to see the new regime? Yeah, yeah, I think so, uh, especially early on. Uh, that Troy game is maybe one you kind of pinpoint as a chance to have a really good crowd. Of course, uh, Grambling as a SWAC team should you know kind of help the attendance go, you know, uh, be a decent turnout for that first home game. Uh, Troy is one, uh, like I said, to eyeball. Uh, so those two games will kind of tell you a lot. And if Will Hall has been able to kind of engage the community and bring out some fans that haven't been showing up here recently, so uh, if they're winning games, if they can beat South Alabama uh, and maybe take down Grambling and Troy, I think that's whenever you see uh, the attendance kind of take off a little bit. As a former player, Luke Johnson, that's important, isn't it? People in the stands, butts in the seats—that's important for the players. It, in, in some ways, when the game gets going, when you're focused on your role, it doesn't matter. The second you kind of, uh, take notice of where you are, it, it does matter. I mean, when I, when I ran out on the field to punt, you know, hopefully I didn't play much because that meant uh, we were having a pretty good game. But yeah, I mean, when you're locked in for those plays, you don't really notice it. But as soon as the play is over or right before, uh, you know, the, while you're running on the field, you certainly notice it. And whenever something happens, I can't tell you the, the amount of times in the rock, where occasionally we couldn't hear ourselves on the sideline, and and you especially you think of some of the bigger games. Uh, th- there was a few games that there was nothing after that or before that that equaled you know the amount of volume. So atmosphere is important. Uh, Southern Miss in the last several years, the, the Rock has not been somewhere to be feared to to, to play, but certainly in times past, uh, opponents did complain that the fact they couldn't communicate on the field. Well, Patrick, every uh, Southern Miss baseball game starting Saturday or Friday afternoon is going to be available on uh, ESPN+. Plus. But you're still expecting big crowds, I would assume, this weekend in Oxford. 
Oh, yeah, it'll be nice crowds. And actually, that first Southern Miss game is going to be on ESPNU, so it's going to be a nationally uh, broadcast game. Uh, this oh, actually, okay. uh, the Ole Miss game that night is going to be on ESPN3, so Southern Miss actually gets the national broadcast. Wow. Uh, uh, there for game one. Uh, they're trying to, you know, they try to mix and match and try to fill in the schedule, and that Southern Miss Florida State game is, a, is an attractive one there. It's mid afternoon, so ESPNU will be showing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luke, you're expecting big, raunchy crowds this weekend? I, I tend to think that uh, obviously when Ole Miss plays, that'll be the case, but uh, what kind of crowd would you look for? Friday afternoon, Luke Johnson. Well, I mean, Friday afternoon, I would I would expect somewhere maybe fifty to sixty five percent. But you know, Ole Miss playing the nightcap, they're going to be stacked in there big time. And then if you have a Southern Miss Ole Miss matchup on day two, or even a Florida State Ole Miss matchup, which you'll have one of those, but a Southern Miss Ole Miss matchup, which would be later in the afternoon, uh, it, it would it's going to be explosive. It'd be be amazing, Patrick. I wanted to ask you this. I think it benefits Southern Miss playing the early game. There was some stats yesterday being thrown around. I think nine of the 16 hosts are playing the early game simply because if you win the early game, you got almost 24 hours to rest before game two. If you play the late game and you lose, you got to turn around maybe and after you finish maybe eight or nine hours and be and, uh, be uh, up and playing again. Oh, no doubt. I mean, getting that early game is a big deal for Southern Miss. I, I, really, for both teams, Florida State and Southern Miss, you don't really want to play that late game. I was kind of surprised. I don't know why it kind of shook out like it did. I know, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, I think State always likes to play the early game uh, yep. on day one. So uh, I, I think that works to Southern Miss's advantage, especially if they can win game one. You turn around, you get that rest, and you're going to be playing that late game, I think, which is at 5 o'clock on Saturday, and the games aren't that late. <clears throat> Let's hope we have some earlier nights uh, than, we've, <laughs> than, than, than there were at Ruston. So, uh, but yeah, I think the the getting that uh, that two o'clock game on Friday works to USM's advantage. Right. Well, when we come back, we want to talk to Patrick about those matchups. Obviously, of uh, the Florida State matchup, big. Uh, I, Patrick, I, I'll go ahead and kind of tease it a little bit. We don't really know a lot about this other team, do we? Southeast Missouri. Is there some information that maybe you can share with us in the next break about them? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk. Uh, they've got a pretty good pitcher that. That could give Ole Miss some problems on Friday, right? So it's conceivable. How about how about a second round game between Southeast Missouri and Southern Miss, and the losers' game, Florida State and Ole Miss? Could you go for that, Luke Johnson? <laughs> hey, I could go for it. Um, I, I think probably in this in this specific regional, if there's going to be a four seed that wins, it could happen in Knoxville or it could happen in Oxford, uh, South Southeast Missouri. You know, they can get it done. We'll talk more about that after the break, obviously. All right. We're visiting with the professor, Patrick McGee, from the Biloxi Sun Herald on a Wednesday rainy afternoon here in South Mississippi. We'll be back.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. You want something good to eat? What about Dickie's Barbecue? They're open seven days a week right here in Hattiesburg. They cook delicious barbecue uh, every single day. It's always fresh. It's always good. You can enjoy it in the dining room. You can take it home. If you want something cool to wear that's got a Southern Miss logo on it, well, that, of course, would be Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net on Hardy Street. They're open six days a week. Kathleen is a fantastic lady, has a great crew, and uh, they'll make it fun for you to go shop for your Southern Miss apparel for your home, uh, stuff for your house or your car. Campus Bookmart, CampusBookmart.net. We're broadcasting from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel this afternoon. We're talking to Patrick McGee, the uh, sports editor of the Biloxi Sun here. Kind of a derogatory headline. We took it from the Clarion Ledger this week about uh, – about Southern Miss baseball, Patrick, and uh, we reminded everybody again yesterday: if they really want, if they really want to follow Southern Miss, they need to have a subscription to the uh, Biloxi Sun Herald, and they can do that online as well. Am I right about that? Yeah, and uh, I hope everybody kind of took advantage that we had a Memorial Day deal. I think for the first three months, were like a dollar each, so uh, that's another thing. To kind of keep out occasionally have deals, but they can always go to SunHerald.com and their subscription opportunities on there. And, uh, we, you know, in, in addition to sports coverage, we have a lot of info about the coast, maybe restaurants people want to eat at down here when they make a visit. Just, just we try to blanket the whole coast and give you all what you can, and and, and uh, give you all some good Southern Miss coverage out of Hattiesburg. And maybe some concerts coming back to the coast. Is that going to happen anytime soon, Patrick? Yeah, I think things are kind of already firing up. There's live been live music in downtown Ocean Springs for a while now, and uh, yeah, concerts concerts are going to be happening fairly soon. Well, I'm looking forward to that. All right, Patrick, uh, while we have you here this afternoon, break down this regional for us. Start with uh, Southeast Missouri. Let's let's start from the number four seed. Obviously, we all know a lot about Southern Miss, and I'd like to get your analysis of, of really how good Ole Miss is. But let's start with Southeast Missouri. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting team because you look at them matching up on day one. They, they, they come in with a decent shot at Ole Miss because they have Dylan Dodd, a lefty who's uh, regarded as somewhat of a major league prospect, I look somewhere where he's ranked, I think, number 168 as a as a prospect coming into this year's MLB draft. So uh, he's nine and one with a 2.78 ERA and 14 starts. He's got a, nearly 100 more strikeouts than he's issued walks this season. Uh, 113 strikeouts and, and 14 walks and 90 and two thirds innings. Um, like Luke mentioned in the break, he really kind of held Arkansas, the best team in the nation, in check whenever they faced. Uh, each other earlier in the season. So coming in, uh, Dodd, a really good lefty, and, and Southeast can score some runs. They hit 272 as a team, uh, 37 homers. You know, I, I, that's probably not going to pan out maybe against Ole Miss pitcher, but uh, it's a it's it's a game that sets up as dangerous for Ole, for Ole Miss and uh, potentially kind of flip things on the, uh, you know, just make things a little bit more chaotic in Oxford if, if somehow Southeast can, can pick off that game. Right. All right. Florida State. Uh, Florida State is a team that, you know, uh, compared to what we normally expect out of Florida State, they, you know, kind of underachieved. They play, basically played a, a, a schedule that was almost comprised entirely of ACC competition. So that makes that, you know, 30 and two, 22 record make a little bit more sense. Uh, they're not, a, you know, they're not like, you know, some of the other Florida State teams where they're just loaded across the board, but they do have the ACC pitcher of the year. And the ACC Player of the Year, uh, Matthew Nelson, the catcher, has hit 22 home runs, 
Uh, I think he led the nation homers this season, if I'm not mistaken. And Parker Messick, who's seven and two records good, his ERA is pretty you know pretty good at three point three two. But I would expect a little bit more out of the ACC Pitcher of the Year. Uh, like Dodd, he's been really uh, accurate. 121 strikeouts, 23 walks. Uh, he hasn't pitched his best down the stretch, and that maybe is what can kind of give Southern Miss a little bit of confidence uh, going into this game that they can uh, get to Messick. But I mean, it's it's really a matter of uh, I don't see Florida, Florida State's not one of these powerful ACC teams that's going to be able to uh, wipe Southern Miss out at the plate. Uh, so I, you know, going in, it's a game that I think should be pretty tight and low scoring. Are they a hitting team like a Louisiana Tech? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, they're not far off. Uh, they're you know they're a good offensive team, uh, but so much of it kind of relies on Nelson. They're in the middle of the lineup as, as a power hitter. Uh, I don't think they're really seeing a team that maybe this one through nine is 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 quality as Tech is. You know, in the production they had in Conference USA, but uh, without a doubt, they're going to be able to put up some runs. But with Stanley on the mound, I think you're seeing maybe a four three or maybe a five four ball game. And Ole Miss. Yeah, Ole Miss is, was a really good team. They played well down the stretch. They won three games in the SEC tournament. They beat Vanderbilt, took a series in the regular season from Vanderbilt. So that really tells you that they're able to pitch. Uh, they're good at the plate. Uh, it's it's really a well-rounded team, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Nikhazy is, a, is, is just a, a real hoss for them. Uh, his ERA, uh, he started 13 games, and his ERA is 2.18. Uh, and he's got 114 strikeouts, 27 walks. Uh, that's the guy that that's really the bell cow for them. He's the guy they want to go to. You know, outside of him, the pitching is pretty good, but you don't really have the uh, another guy quite on the Casey's level. So, uh, if you're a, if you're a Southern Miss or a Florida State fan, you're hoping the Ole Miss has to burn the Casey right away against Southeast Missouri State. Right, Luke. How do you see it? Well, you want to, you want pitching. Here you go. You, you talk about Dodd from Southeast Missouri, Messick from Florida State, Stanley from Southern Miss, and the Casey from Ole Miss. A combined average of a two six seven ERA, four hundred and sixty seven strikeouts from those four pitchers. There, the, the game game one and game two on Friday, uh, it may be low scoring, uh, but I, I think in some ways starting pitching, I think Southern Miss holds the advantage in this, and, and uh, Patrick mentioned it during the break also. Walker Powell's got to have a great game too. Uh, he, he's got to have his stuff working, and if Southern Miss is able to get a dominant performance out of Stanley. But it's going to be difficult. Uh, to, to Patrick's point, though, when you look at Florida State's statistics, they're only batting two forty five as a team, which I think is the uh, the lowest of uh, any team going into this tournament. Southern Miss, I think, actually pulled theirs up. Let me check that real quick. Southern Miss is at 267. So Florida State at 245. They do have some pop though, along with uh, along with Nelson. Uh, Elijah Cabell has 14 home runs. Robbie Martin has 11. They've hit 74 home runs, which is seven more than the Eagles this year. Uh, and and Ole Miss is one of the best hitting uh, teams in in the country. Their their batting averages is right at 300. I think it's like 291 or something like that. So, but you can't worry about Semo. You can't worry about Ole Miss. Uh, and and thankfully you don't have to think. All you do go out there. There at two o'clock, you play your game, you pitch well, you play good defense, but you're going to have to hit one of the best uh, pitchers in the ACC. And just another comment about Florida State: you look at how they've done against other teams in the tournament. Took two or three from Virginia, 
swept Miami in a three-game series and beat them later on, split with Florida, who's a host, won two out of three against UNC, won two out of three against Notre Dame, who's a host, two out of three from Clemson. They were swept by Pittsburgh early in the season, and they just lost to Duke. So, uh, so Patrick, it, it seems as if Florida State, you know, it, it, they're, they're a team that can be really good, but oftentimes they can just show up and, and not really play that well, too. Yeah, and you pointed out the batting average, and that really – uh, for Southern Miss, I mean, that's, you know, been the one Achilles heel. If you show up on weekend and just not there at the plate, it's just a little tougher. So I think that's what it is for Florida State. They can really hit over the course of the weekend. They're really, really, really tough to beat. But if, the, if they're not, you know, really putting up more than three or four runs a ball game, they're, they're a very beatable team. So mm-hmm. uh, if, if the Florida State team that shows up, shows up that lost uh, all three to Pittsburgh, uh, Southern Miss has got a good shot to win that game one. Patrick, does Ole Miss throw their best starter against Southeast Missouri, or do they feel so confident that they can beat that team that they would hold their their best guy out for game two? I think you know. I, I think they go ahead and throw in the case against uh, 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 Southeast, and and I mean I, I'm just somebody that doesn't really. Uh, uh, you don't mess around too much. Just go ahead and go out there. But I haven't heard officially what Ole Miss is going to approach. It would make some sense. If there's a good argument to be made to holding Casey for the next day. But uh, when you consider the pitcher that Southeast has got got to put on the mound, you may not have no choice but to go ahead and go with Casey because a game one loss would be really, really tough to come back from. Uh, we all know how tough it is for Southern Miss to do. I mean, they had to – whenever they went to the College World Series, they were able to come out and beat Elon in a big uh, slugfest. So – to me, it all starts in game one, and you got to win that game one or it gets really, really tough. Luke, your thoughts? Ole Miss go with the donkey right out of the gate? Uh, Mike Bianco typically, historically, has thought like Scott Berry, you know, uh, but I heard him talk earlier this week. He, he didn't let it out of the bag. They were just uh, going to um, – they were just going to, to to look at the matchups. We should get that later today or tomorrow, you would think, when the official notes would, would come out that, that you would know who he's going to be throwing. I think Dodd causes the needle to lean towards Nikhazy being, you know, throwing. Uh, if it were just – if they didn't have that – type of starting pitching, I think you might see Nikhazy hold. Uh, Mike Bianco did say something I thought was really interesting. He said uh, winning a regional is not about going 1-0, and it's about going 2-0. and And then there's a great point to that. So you, part of your decision making is factoring in who you might play or who you will play. We know Scott Berry's going to throw Stanley. We uh, Southern Miss was in the same predicament in 18 in Fayetteville. Nick Sandlin had one of the greatest statistical years of all time. He didn't hold him for Arkansas. He threw him against Dallas Baptist. All right, Patrick, we appreciate you very much. Do the Golden Eagles play in the finals of this tournament, Patrick McGee? I'd lean towards yes, but like I said, that, that game one is going to be a toss-up. So it's, it's really hard to say at this point, but I would give Southern Miss a very slight advantage to get to that title game. All right, thanks, Patrick. Patrick McGee, everybody, sports editor of the Biloxi Sun-Herald, the finest sports reporter in the state of Mississippi. And if you want to follow Southern Miss sports, that's who you need to hook up with. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. Always good talking to Patrick McGee of the Biloxi Sun-Herald. You can subscribe to exclusive content 
on the Sun-Herald's website. Patrick always covering Southern Miss. Appreciate his time. We're going to have the other Patrick McGee, Pat McGee, the analytic guru. Great job all season long breaking down RPI and and other things for us on the Eagle Hour. He's going to be joining us uh, tomorrow. Excited about that and and get some analytical uh, breakdown of the upcoming Oxford Regional. So that'll be to open the show uh, tomorrow. Thank you for uh, tuning in with us on a uh, a mostly wet Wednesday. It's supposed to rain more this afternoon where they're doing repairs here in downtown Laurel. It's just kind of a mud bog. Uh, but happy to have you along. Bob and Hattiesburg at the First Bank Studios. Uh, Luke Johnson here in downtown Laurel. Third segment brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. It is Pork Chop Thursday tomorrow. And you need to go eat the catfish Friday. Bob Getty approved uh, at 4th Street on Friday. And then stick around because all the Oxford Regional games Southern Miss is playing this weekend will be on the TVs at 4th Street Bar and Grill. They've actually got a slider special for the games uh, this weekend. 4th Street Bar and Grill, the place to watch USM baseball. And uh, they've really been the, the only place in town that has has con- every week shown Southern Miss. Southern Miss. Go support Southern Miss. Go support 4th Street Bar and Grill. Slider special for the regional this weekend. Kelly Sander joins us on the phone right now. And Kelly, let's just uh, let's just say it. We won't sing it because it'll be pretty awful. It wouldn't be worthy of her. But today is Joy Lee McNellis's birthday. Please and so, uh, Coach, from all of us, at the Eagle Hour, happy birthday, Joy Lee McNellis, and, and Kelly. Yeah, you, Kelly may rap it, Bob, uh, but he, Kelly, please don't sing it. <laughs> well, Bob, Bob's just jealous of the of my newfound relationship with uh, Dead Mouse and some of the you know EDM artists up at Indianapolis. It's crazy, I know, I know, Kelly, <laughs> I know. Well, we're yeah. we're very happy for Joy Lee, and uh, glad she's doing so well. And we uh, obviously think the world of her here on this show. And I and I I've heard you guys at Four Street Bar and Grill. If Southern Miss winds up playing Old Miss to commemorate the Ole Miss game, they're going to be serving caviar with trout almond. <laughs> yes. but but you can only get it if you wear khakis, penny loafers, and no socks. Kelly said, that. And, 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 and a blue blazer. To, Don't forget and about belong that. Belong to a fraternity, of course. Correct, of course. Yeah, and coming in and come in your your daddy's Mercedes. I mean, that's those, those are the those are the caveats, and, uh, so to speak, to the deal. Play play dodgeball with anything Southern Miss, and and your your first name has to be either Biff or Tad, and if you're a girl, you have to be named Muffy. Correct, exactly. If you meet all those categories, you're welcome. <laughs> if not, probably not so much at Four Street Bar and Grill. That's probably about fifty percent of them. Yeah. <laughs> they're all Southern Miss over there. Can we just say that? That there is not a one iota ounce of anything Old Miss or Mississippi State in Slade White no, and his crew, all black no. and gold over there. And never will be. No, never will be. Guys, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but I, I just, uh, you know, and, and I probably spend, you know, if you spend five minutes on social media, that's probably five minutes you'll never get back. But boy, there's a lot being said about the field up in Starkville. And I just wonder. I mean, obviously they'll win that tournament, but what is? How does something like that happen? How does Florida State and Southern Miss get sent to Ole Miss? Uh, because Luke made a good point yesterday. Florida State's clearly a, a a number two seed quality program. Kelly Sander, does that damage the? Does that damage Mississippi State's credibility to a degree if if they do make another World Series run? One thing, and we mentioned this yesterday as well, is that. Uh, that there's Mississippi State skin on the selection committee. 
which stinks to high heaven. Uh, anytime somebody has skin in the game, as John Cohen does up at, at Mississippi State, and it just so happens that that it's deemed by most people that the the region regional that you're in is soft. It it just it just begs to wonder, you know. Right. Now, now I do think though, and and this is arguable, but I've said I have thought all year long that Mississippi State is a better team than Ole Miss overall. Uh, they did not finish the season. You know, like they had wanted to, but I just think day in and day out, if Mississippi State and Ole Miss were to play each other ten times, State would win probably six and a half, you know, of those times. But not so much better that they get, you know, the uh, the musical chairs regional that they got uh, compared to Ole, to Ole Miss. Miss. Yeah. So, uh, so they. It, it, but in, it also, in a way, puts pressure on Mississippi State that the Bulldogs better win that regional. I mean, I don't would, see how they don't win the regional. I don't either, but I mean, every team at this level, you know, is pretty good. And everybody, you know, even the blind hog can find the acorn every once in a while. Um, and again, Mississippi State, they, they crapped the bed at the, I guess we can't say that word, bed. Um, right. But at the SEC tournament, State, I mean, was embarrassed. Um, yeah. So it was it was not the way they wanted to end the regular season. So um, there's a lot of, a lot of question marks surrounding this, but State better win it. They right. better win that region. Luke Johnson, what's the toughest regional on paper, and what's the weakest? Well, there's there's a couple different ways to look at it, and you cannot go strictly off RPI, and, and the reason being is, I, I did the, the math the other day, if you go strictly off RPI, Starkville is the second hardest regional. Because when you look at the Starkville Regional, State is 8th, Virginia Commonwealth is 31st, Campbell is 37th, Sanford is 54th. But there's no way that Campbell at 37 is a more difficult 3 than Florida State at 45. So you can't look at metrics alone. And this is where Kelly's people come out really well. The the Massey ratings, and this is one of the things I have pegged to talk to uh, to Pat McGee tomorrow about, the Massey ratings take in uh, to, to play the the talent level of the teams. So Campbell is kind of, according to Massey, they would be further down when you take the talent into play around 100. And uh, so you're dealing with Florida State as a four seed who has a 22 home run batter and the ACC pitcher of the year. Massey takes that in consideration. So, yeah, when when you take uh, strictly RPI speaking, uh, Knoxville is the hardest, and I would say Knoxville probably is the, the most difficult. Tennessee got shafted as the number three seed. I mean, as the number three overall national seed because their, their four seed, Wright State, has an RPI of 27. 32 and 11. Wright State had the number seven strength of schedule, non conference wise, in all. And so that is their four seed. Wright State is the most over. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, the most the most underseeded person in this entire tournament at 27. Tennessee got hosed as a three seed, and you know if I'm Tennessee, I'm kind of looking around inside the SEC and wondering how they didn't get what Mississippi State got. But right. see, I think that I think that Arizona region, which is where the the winner of the Oxford Regional will will face the winner of that region in a super regional. I think that one's a pretty tough region. You know, out out again, all of this is arguable, which which makes you know makes sure. all this kind of fun. But um, but I think Grand, Grand Canyon is a legit four seed. Yeah. Santa Barbara at fifty one, and then Oklahoma State 
who who didn't make the twenty, but they were kind of talked about midseason as a host. Your two seeds RPI fourteen, but again, because of this year being a little strange, some conferences did not play non conference stuff. It kind of skewed the RPI. Yeah, but I, but what's what's kind of laughable about the state regional though, and and I do understand what you're talking about with RPI, but most people would say any school that you have no idea what the mascots are probably are not real strong. Okay, but <laughs> you don't know what the Campbells are. What Campbell? What is Campbell? Kelly? I do. What is it? I do. What they're is the it? Fighting, they're the fighting camels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's the truth. All right? Yeah. <laughs> And, and VCU is the Rams, but I mean, a lot of people oh might not even know, you know, that the Campbell are the fighting camels. VCU you know? is a military academy. Am I not right about that? A military no, that's, school. That's VMI. That's 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 VMI. Oh, that's okay. Virginia Commonwealth. My, my bad. Okay. You know, there was actually a graphic uh, on Twitter talking about the Starkville Regional, how State was the one, uh, Jackson Prep was the two, MRA was the three, and Jackson Academy was the four seed. <laughs> Well, those are all pretty good teams now. You know, oh, about as good as the Campbell about. fighting Campbells. No. <laughs> MRA beat West Jones this year, so, yeah, I know that for sure. Oh, yeah, man. The, the, the people from Campbell, when they have coffee, they ask them if they want one hump or two. It's tough. <laughs> and, and, I, I'm almost afraid to ask, but who would Mississippi State likely play in a regional? What what other regional is – I mean, a super regional. What regional is matched up with the um, Little Debbie regional? They are matched up against uh, the uh, Notre Dame uh, South oh. Bend Regional at number ten. Really? But uh, Notre Dame's good. But yeah. here, here's the thing with State. Here's the thing with State. Nobody is going to have the type of pitching that Mississippi State does. And the reason why they got blown out in Hoover was because their pitching went to pot. And uh, typically, on, I mean, even Sims got shellacked in those games, and he's the second best reliever in the country. So. I, that's why I'm glad we're going to Oxford. If we're going to go somewhere, let's go to Oxford because it's hard. Even if you got a stellar pitching staff like Southern Miss, nobody in the country statistically stacks up against what State does. No, they're very good. We're having, we're having a lot of fun with them. We all recognize Mississippi State's been to the World Series ten times, so we're not we're not dogging Mississippi State. And the players in Starkville had nothing to do with who got sent to the tournament. There's a Southern Miss baseball camp just around the corner. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. Also kind of wrap up a hump day edition of the Eagle Hour. segment on this Wednesday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. They're located on Hardy Street 
in Hattiesburg. Eight cages on the D-bat side, even one with a computer give you uh, exit velo and distance and where you hit it. You can pick a college stadium, a, a pro stadium. Every single one of those cages also has baseball and softball uh, pitching machines, uh, and you can actually adjust to your side of the strike zone. You can work high, low, middle, all of that. Kelly Center witnessed me striking out against the D-bat. And, uh, of course, uh, on D1, the 70-yard indoor uh, training facility with uh, weight equipment and places uh, to run. And, uh, coaches, you can get laser time 40. Take my word for it. It works. All that at D-bat and D1 training in Hattiesburg. Southern Miss uh, in a regional this weekend, but a baseball prospect camp, ID camp, slated for June the 9th. That is a week from today at Pete Taylor Park. It'll take place at 10 a.m. Registration from 9 a.m. to uh, 10 a.m. And it is designed for prospective student athletes from high school freshmen to junior college sophomores to uh, showcase their game in front of the entire Southern Miss baseball coaching staff. Other colleges, other scouts will be there also. Uh, You contact Nick Amoretti at nick.amoretti at USM.com Edu. And something uh, to, to remember about these camps, guys, uh, if you take the kids' camps and you take the prospect camps, I'm being told that, that roughly 80% of, of guys that end up at Southern Miss were seen either at a kids' camp or were seen at one of these prospect camps. That That's pretty extraordinary. So that's coming up a week from uh, this, uh, a week from today, next Wednesday, June the 9th. 9 to 10 registration, 10 a.m. at Pete Taylor Park. And hopefully they got to run you out of there because we're getting ready for a Super Regional uh, when it's over. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, <laughs> Kelly Center from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And uh, and Laurel Kelly, before we uh, talk a little Corky Palmer, uh, a, a well-known name in national college basketball, getting ready to call it a swan song. Finally. Uh, well, I, I say finally. That, that, means, that has a negative tone to it, and I don't mean that at all, but Coach Mike Krzyzewski of the Duke Blue Devils, who you'd never know because of the color of his hair, and I'm sure that's a, I'm sure that's manufactured color, but nonetheless, Coach K has announced that after this upcoming basketball season, he is headed to the house. Uh, he's in his mid, mid-70s mid now, which that's hard to believe. Really? And has been at, has, yeah, has been at Duke almost his entire career, but the, the 2021-22 college basketball season will be his last, he made that announcement this morning, and um, so I'm sure there will be lots of farewell Coach K uh, signs and shows and things coming up the next year before he retires um, from coaching college basketball. How'd you like I'm to sure. be the guy that replaces him, Kelly? <laughs> well, that, yeah, that, wouldn't be, like, that wouldn't be a big task, would it? Yeah, like, like Bear Bryant or some of these other ones. You know, right. You want to be the guy after that guy, but right. not, not the one that immediately succeeds him. High, high bar for sure. No question. I think uh, they've already named John Shire is uh, supposed to go. He's going to take over. He's the associate head coach uh, right now uh, for Duke, and so he will take over. And hopefully, uh, I'm a, I'm a Carolina fan, but you know, out of respect, I, I hope he has a, a great career. All right, guys, Corky Palmer, go fund me. Help coach Corky Palmer. You can find it at GoFundMe. Been up a couple weeks. 
Guys, uh, over the last, uh, I, I guess, hour or so, another anonymous $2,500 donation has come in. And right now, uh, through two weeks, we are at $22,230 raised to help Coach Corky Palmer. And we need your help, Eagle Hour listeners. You need to continue to put this out. Rick Cleveland has helped us on social media. Brett Favre has tweeted about this. And hopefully during the uh, the Regional Super Regional College World Series, this will even get spread even more. And again, we're helping Coach Palmer. uh, Just ongoing uh, back in that recovery uh, from from his stroke and just uh, getting hit with with a lot of uh, it's costly and it's getting hit with a, a lot of cost and so we are in the process of trying to raise as much money as we can right now just over twenty two thousand dollars raised for Corky Palmer you can go to GoFundMe and just search Corky Palmer or help Coach Corky Palmer and again uh, this is a combined effort of Rick Maddox Jimmy Pierce Ted Palmer and Tyler Kahn same thing that some of you in the roost uh, you were hearing about uh, something at uh, to, to help Coach Palmer. This is it. So spread the word. Go there. Share the fire out of it. And uh, let's get this thing rolling through even more through postseason baseball play. And, Luke, you're going to be up in Oxford, right? You're going to be our live guy on the scene up there, from what I understand. I will be wearing khaki shorts, but my shirt tail will be untucked, and I will be wearing a netback Southern Miss hat that has sweat stains on it. I might be refused at the door, but it's going to happen. Yeah, you better well, be wearing I, I, some colors up there, Luke Johnson. Come on now. Yeah, he'll be he'll be wearing a Southern Miss yeah, black and gold. Right. I'm no, sure. No, gotta be. I'm serious. My net back Southern Miss hat has sweat stains across the front of it. It's not appropriate. I'm not as sure hats with sweat stains wear. are allowed on the Ole Miss campus. Kelly, you want to check into that for us? Well, uh, I, I would go tomorrow. myself, but I, I would go myself. But I'm all out of starch and my iron is broken, so <laughs> I can't iron my jeans. <laughs> And I and I spent the last two pennies I had in my loafers, so I'm I'm just Sander. When Sander, when is the last time you wore jeans? Oh boy, when was Jimmy Carter president? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even remember oh, that. Oh, uh, here we go, Luke Johnson. They, they, Luke, go ahead. Go they ahead. Never go. had elastic jeans. <laughs> you know, they don't have elastic jeans. Maternity pants. I think that's what they're called. <laughs> that's me. All right, we'll be back tomorrow, at one o'clock. Southern Miss. To the top. Keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.